Good morning, world, and welcome to Choices, Books, and Gifts, where you always have choices. And I'm very proud to present our latest guest, Seth. Good morning, and how are you, my friend? I'm well, Jay. Thank you for having me. Great, great. I'm going to read a little bit about Seth, his bio, so we know who we're, who we're uh, uh, talking with today. So Seth David Branitz is the author of The Trouble with Kim, on Transcending Despair and Approaching Joy, a collection of personal essays discussing his upbringing in a family controlled by substance abuse and mental illness, his own struggles with addiction and recovery, his brother's suicide, and living a meaningful life in spite of trauma and clinical depression. He is an artist, performing songwriter, chef writer, and he is living in Hudson Valley. Is that all correct? Yeah, you did good research there. All right. Very, very good. I'm glad we did. So I'm sort of going to jump right into it. And if you don't mind, I'm going to uh, start with some questions for you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with addiction and recovery? Yeah, well, as I um, as I think back, you know, I was probably addicted to like chocolate and ice cream and, and warmth and all this uh, kind of stuff, anything to escape, anything to feel good to excess as a child, you know, enough to make myself sick, enough to give myself headaches and brain freeze. Um, my dad used to tell the story of the first time I had ice cream. I was under a year old and he sat me on the stool at Baskin Robbins and I was eating ice cream and he said that my eyes went back and I made a roar like lurch, like Rrr, and I just tipped over and fell off the stool and I would fall off many stools subsequently years later in another environment. Um, as soon as I started using drugs, I felt, or I should say the first time, and maybe the second or third time, I felt so good. I felt so seen. I felt so confident, which is something I don't re recall feeling. I felt creative and interesting, and, uh, and I needed more of that. And so I tried again and again, but of course the, uh, the effect was uh, had diminishing results over time, and I don't. I never stopped trying. Um, I was persistent, but even when it was clear that it wasn't working and that it was hurting, even when it was clear to me, even when it became clear to others, I kept on doing it. And even when I said, "I must stop, never again. This is the last one. All that." Um, yeah. And then I started to think, all right, how will I stop? How will I stop? Years more um, went on before I finally, it was finally suggested to me by a girlfriend uh, who was uh, a social worker student that um, I go to uh, 12 steps. And I said, well, that's for like old drunk people. And, you know, I was spending a lot of time in the city and down on the Bowery. And I said, I know who go to those. And she said, no, it's for anybody. And uh, she was right. And I, and I was able to put a little bit of time together and, and I just kept on going. And I, I went into recovery with similar uh, fever and obsession as I had for, for getting high and finding and doing more. Um, I, would, I would plan things out. I would write everything out. I would, I would obsess on lines because I, I was aware very early that my mind is always going I'm always saying something to myself, so and and none of it's good. So I might as well fill it with good stuff. I'm not going to miss any of that. And I would so I would 
fill my life and my car with little signs, not even one, on the mirror, I love you. I, uh, on my mirror in my apartment, I couldn't even look myself in the eye, but I would look at it and I would say it out loud. I feel like those things really uh, put me on a, on a path to uh, becoming a, a different person or re-becoming the, chi- you know, the child that, that I kind of you know, threw aside when I just became uh, selfish and obsessed. Great, great. Thank you. You know, I have a lot of, I can relate to you. I I remember, especially the thing you said about confidence. I would walk into a bar as Pee Wee Herman and come out as Superman. I I mean, that's a saying that we use sometimes in 12-step, and it's very, very true. But even from the early beginnings of when you were drinking and obsessed with everything, that, that was certainly me. Yes. So a lot, a lot of, lot of understanding there. What do you hope the readers will get as it relates to the book? What do you hope they? Well, what I hope they would get, and what I have have uh, been blessed with a lot of readers who've got gotten in touch with me, and, and basically just to know that they're not alone, just to know that they that other people suffer, obsess, fail, and start over. Uh, and and that they can as well. Um, I also kind of hope that people will understand, uh, as as I I hold it, um, that the things that went before in our life are are valuable. Um, it was always very sad to me that I would get another year older, or that a thing would happen, and then it would just move on. And I would look at old black and white pictures of people in my family that my parents couldn't even name anymore from the 1800s, early 1900s. And I'm like, every single one of them had richness. Every single one of them laughed and got, um, and, and were afraid, and were excited, and were delighted, and were scared. Every single one of us experiences that stuff. And and it matters, and and so uh, I've uh, at times um, facilitated writing groups where people write memoir, you know, and it's really nice to see that these people, some of whom are very shy or felt very washed up, would take something from their past, and it's absolute gold because it happened. It happened to them. They felt they they they, and we all do. And so that's another thing, you know. I. I feel like writing this book was an amends, is, is in part an amends to my past, you know, not only the screw ups, but also just to make something beautiful out of something that was apparently meaningless or boring, um, you know, because I didn't talk about a lot of this stuff after it happened. We don't usually talk about most of what happens in our day, unless it's really big and there were flashing lights or it was life changing. But it's all it, it it all matters if we say so. Seth, can you tell us something that you really find uh, important in the book? Can you share a a paragraph or something with us? Something important. Well, the the most important thing um, that I could say is that it's it's full of what certain people people have called horrors. I I went through some really um, horrible experiences myself. I was depressed and lost and suicidal. My brother took his own life. My people and other people in my life took their own lives or died terrible deaths alone, ODing, AIDS, murder. Uh, And I've had, um, and I understand that some of it can be really hard to to look at because that's what life is, but that 
I'm okay. This is the end. Like we know how the book ends. You know, um, there are a few yeah. people in my life who who I love or who love me who said like they can't bear to to read it. They can't. They're afraid to read it. But it's not Shameful. all. It's not all darkness. So there's a lot of humor and ridiculous things that have happened in the book. And then there are very sad things. And I don't make them sadder. I'm just saying what happened. Uh, and so yeah, I just uh, if I'm here to talk about it, I've I've gotten through it. If, if you're here to talk about it, it's a very good ending. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me a little bit? I know you're an artist and a musician. How does that relate to recovery? When I was using, and even in recovery, when I was uh, depressed, which was a good amount of time during my recovery, I would be thinking I should be doing something else. I should be making stuff. I, should be, uh, I shouldn't be at this, this uh, job that's meaningless to me. And a lot of shoulds, of course, you know, are they're all they're all dangerous. Comparing ourselves is dangerous, and thinking like that. But but I, they were they were cues uh, from the brain of a of, and the heart of a of a creative person who wasn't making art. And yeah. I feel like that is one of the greatest sources of pain in in the world for humans is artists who don't make art. And and so I really feel like that for for people who are recovering or people who are suffering, if you're a creative person, make stuff. Absolutely. That is a very, very, very important. And that doesn't mean become a rock star. That doesn't mean get published. That doesn't mean, you know, share it on any grand scale. Start small and just make stuff. Pull out the pad, pull out the guitar, uh, pull out the typewriter. What's a typewriter? Um, and and start and start there and and how it affected me is once I once I was drawn into it started out as a band in early recovery a recovery band we used to play at sober clubs or we would create sober clubs by approaching places and saying can you do a dry night and uh, that was just so uh, it, it was just it gave me so much life and and I was so uh, grateful for it and it just sort of all happened from there it's just very life affirming as an artist to to make art. That's fantastic. You know, it's interesting because I know uh, for me, in order to keep it, you got to give it away. And a lot of what you did with the music and everything, you were helping others, you know, in recovery as well, which to, to me is, is, is why we're all doing this and we're here. So that's fantastic. Fantastic. What kind of things do you do today to keep what you already have? Well, there are things that I do, and those would include, um, you know, spiritual pursuits, meditation, being in touch with recovering people, being in touch with positive people, saying no to really heavy people who um, I, I've had to I've had to spend less time with people who. What, what, how do we say it nicely? I don't know. I used to call them emotional vampires, but but I I, I encounter people like that, and I've had to say, you know what? I just cannot. I cannot do it because you're doing what my mind is trying to do to me, you know, and I, I, I don't need that. Um, so choosing my company well, um, choosing my food, my mental food well, and that means not spending time in the, uh, in the, the rabbit holes of, of social media and not getting into political discussions. So these are things I, I don't do. Uh, I exercise, I eat something healthy every day, not yep. all healthy. I, um, I'm acutely aware of of my mind, and as soon as I start going into shame, fear, I'll I'll notice it. 
and I lost it. And I think it's the sharing and I'll, I'll insert something else, something positive. And the most, the most positive thing that I insert is like a loving kindness prayer for, for something, somebody else, anybody else. And I like it when I think of somebody that I haven't already. So right now I might say, well, may Catherine be filled with loving kindness, may she be well and happy and free from suffering. What more loving thing can I hope for anybody, any creature or for myself? And I feel like that very often as I'm going to sleep at night and my mind is weak and it's drifting. If I do that, that is the most loving thing I can possibly think of doing besides getting up and actually doing something and feeding yeah. someone or yeah. hugging someone. Um, and I, I've been on a, a that, that, that's, that's a thing that I, I do more than, more than most. So the, the most important things are not necessarily the things that I do. They're, they're the things, the way that I think or, or, you know, or choose my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I have, you know, once again, it, it's amazing. Uh, how much identification I have with you, because some of the things that I do are the same as yours. I wake up, I meditate, I pray, I try to do something good for somebody, even if it's a complete stranger in my life. I try to eat right in the gym all the time. It's it's like it's the recipe for success. It's it's fantastic. By the way, where can people buy your book, see your art? Are you still playing anywhere that we can come and see you? I am. Well, I play, I've been playing a little bit more now. I had a few years um, off, but I'm playing a little bit more, mostly in the Hudson Valley or in Manhattan. They're, those that, you know, I'm on Facebook, Seth David Granitz, and I post those things there. And, and Instagram. my art is at SethMadeThis.com. And that's where I, I post my, my uh, the things I'm, I'm proud to share. And people buy originals or buy prints there, like cheaper prints. And my book is at, um, at a few bookshops up here in New Paul's, Kingston, New York, Woodstock, um, or or online at the places, you know, Barnes and Noble or Amazon.com, and uh, they get them there. Perfect, perfect. That's wonderful. If I was starting out and I was going through all this trauma, my life was a mess, what would you say to me to get, if I came to you and said, Seth, I'm a mess, my life's crazy, you have any thoughts, how can I better myself? Oh, that's a really uh, interesting question. If the if one of the sources of your messiness was the substances, then I would say let's go to a meeting, or let's get online and 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 hit a meeting and see uh, you know how that grabs you. If uh, if it were apparent that it wasn't really that, I, I I might just recommend a few books and or a few YouTube channels and say let's. Let's obsess on these things. Let's obsess on positivity. Let's obsess on love. Let's go to the animal shelter and hang out with some animals and give, give and get some love. Uh, these are you know, almost guaranteed medicine. And uh, I'm experiencing it right now with my son, who is one of my sons is very depressed and he's very trapped. And, okay. he, and he's messing with substances. And I'm just in a constant battle with depression it's very hard to talk to a person who's depressed they just go round and round and round you say something and you begin to get through and then it's yeah but yeah but and uh oh it's so it's so hard but what i say repeatedly or uh, i'll just send them a link to something beautiful just so we could spend a little time with that beautiful thing that beautiful message that beautiful thought uh, so i'll say let's go to the mountain and be out in nature i'll remind him to see his doctor and, and take his medicine as prescribed right. 
self-prescribed so much. And so that that's a little bit of what I might say. That's 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 perfect. I mean, as you said, depression, first of all, I'm sorry that you're going through that. And uh, second of all, I've been there. So I know what you mean, because you just consumed with self. That's all it is. You're consumed with self and you can't hear anybody that's speaking to you. You can't hear them. You can't understand them until sometimes you get on the right medication and it makes you, you know, be able to listen and hear and follow direction. But I agree with you 100%. And I loved your aspect on, 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 because sometimes it's not only 12 step, it's, it's other things in life, you know, right. well, I, got, I got clean in the late eighties and, and it was, and, and I remember, I can remember the voices of specific old timers saying, don't take medicines. It's, a, it's a cop out. And yeah. it's a, um, and I remember one of them, somebody who was a, a teacher of mine, and I really respected uh, her and loved her and believed her. She said, there's a, there's a, an, a, an affect that comes over you and you can tell that that person by looking in their eyes isn't there. And she wasn't entirely wrong because the drugs, the same, the drugs used then to treat some of the things that people are going through now used to be different. And there would be this the eyes with Prozac and things like that. Um, and there are and were people who were abusing them. I need something. I can't bear this pain, the pain that you could just sometimes go through and get to the other side of. And it's very hard to know. And you have to just decide for yourself whether you're one of those people who, yeah, that I need more. And it took me 30 two years or so and being 32 years clean and suicidal it to finally say, I, it's not, it's not working. My I don't have to live at this bar down here. In fact, I might not survive it. And I spoke to a doctor and tearfully, literally tearfully agreed to, to try uh, this medicine. And I think it saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. I remember for myself when I, when I first, uh, uh, decided to to change my life i was extremely depressed because i was so used to putting drugs and alcohol in my system and i was fighting my therapist when he wanted to give me some medication absolutely fighting him i was dead against it and i have a brother in recovery he's he's, he's has as many years as you Great. and uh, he says listen you put drugs in your system all these years to abuse yourself why don't you put some drugs in yourself to to you know, help yourself. And that, that just made all the difference to me. And then I agreed and, and it just helped. It, it took the load off. It straightened me out. And, and I'm the guy today standing before you. And it's just, it makes a world of difference. I'm, I'm also grateful that I don't think it's as taboo as when you first got sober as it is today. I think that, you know, people are more open to getting the help they need so they can yeah. listen in meetings. They can hear, they can hear the message because if you're that depressed, you can't hear anything. Right. But it is a slippery slope, isn't it? You know, because with people who will just run for that relief, there are people who were raised with that relief and for whom it's not so weird, you know, they've been on meds their whole lives. So uh, I just had to understand as you did for that. For me, it was appropriate and continues to be and it, and it helps. I agree a hundred percent. So 
We're going to wrap it up soon. Do you have any wonderful parting words of wisdom you want to share with us? I will not accept that pressure. Just take care of yourself. Love yourself. Go to meetings. Um, be nice to other people, pet animals, and, uh, and, and things get better. I, I, I love that wisdom. I love what you said to us because that's perfect. Keep it simple and just wake up and do the right thing. I am going to uh, give a little closing statement here. So uh, as we wrap up this episode of Choices, remember that life is a series of decisions that shape our journey. I hope our time together was inspiring and motivating. Stay empowered, stay well, and remember, you always have choices. Peace and blessings to you all. And I hope to see you next week. Thank you, Seth. I really enjoyed you as a Thank guest. You, Thank you. What you do. Thanks for the store. It's all, it's all great. I really appreciate talking to you today. Me too.